Genesis chapter 28. We're going to look at a rock and a man named Jacob today. All right. I kind of gave you a speech, but I had a part in my notes. I'm going to go back on script now because it matters how you show up. It really matters. I know I was kind of heckling you a little bit about being quiet, but it does matter. It matters how you lean in. It matters how you engage. It matters that you bring people. It matters that you show up. And so let's just embrace it today, okay? Touch a neighbor and say, it matters. I can see you. Touch a neighbor and say, it matters. Touch another neighbor and say, it matters. Now look at me in the eyes and say, it matters, Marissa. Okay, now, now we can read God's word. Genesis chapter 28, starting in verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of those stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven. He had no idea that centuries later this would be one of the greatest songs ever made. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. Do you know that God is above all of your situations? Whatever we walk through, God is above it. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised. If your situation's not done, it's not over. If it's not good, God's not finished with it. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God, will be take, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And, all, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Have you ever found yourself in a hard place and in need of a little hope? I'm sure that you have. And today, we're going to use Jacob's story to focus on this idea. Hard, but not hopeless. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are here and you are working. And Lord, we just ask that any distractions we have, anything we're thinking about, that our mind would just be off that that our ears would be open, that our hearts would be ready, that we would receive exactly what it is that you have for us this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, well, congratulations on surviving Thanksgiving. We made it through. How many of you still have some turkey left over in your fridge? 
You're like, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do with this anymore. Or maybe some family that's still lingering around that you're also like, I don't know what to do with them anymore. You know, I got to be honest with you, I don't like Thanksgiving. I, I think it's really just a holiday that we could skip over. I had a lovely Thanksgiving. I'm a thankful person. I was very grateful. I went to my husband's family's house. It was great. But I just don't like the day. I don't like gamey food. And, like, I, just, I don't know. I don't, I don't like feeling like I still have to do a bunch of work while my family all sits around and has fun. I think that's the real issue with Thanksgiving. But now that it's over, we can officially move on to decking the halls and starting the Christmas countdown. But, you know, as, oft, or as quickly as Christmas comes in, it also leaves us. This is such a short season. And one month from today, Christmas is going to be over. Can you believe that? That just seems a little bit sad. And we're going to be preparing to close out 2023 and welcome in 2024, a brand new year. Now, perhaps you're starting to think about the new year and the goals and the plans that you have for it. And you know, as I look to the upcoming year, I like to take a little bit of time to reflect back on the current year. There, there are a lot of moments that happen in a year. From January 1st to November 26th, there's been a lot of moments that have happened. And I can't help but wonder, as you think about the moments that have made up your year, how would you rate the year? On a scale from 1 to 10, what number would you give the year 2023? Now, I've been thinking about this over the past few weeks, and what I've settled on is it's difficult to settle on a number. I can't peg the number because not every moment that I've encountered this year has been the same. You know, in the summer, my husband and I celebrated 20 years of marriage, and that was like a 10. That was awesome. Thank you. But then this fall, we experienced the sudden death of my grandpa, and that was like a three. I hit some goals and exceeded some goals that I set for myself personally and through my work, and those were like an eight. But then I made the difficult decision to have to push pause on having Radiant this year, and that was definitely a one. You see, each year is filled with highs and lows. It's filled with grace and grit, with doubt and determination. My husband has shared this, that for us personally, 2023 has been a year filled with really hard choices and some disappointments that have made it feel like a one or a two. But it's also had pockets of sweet moments and personal growth that have made it feel like a nine or a ten. And you know, no matter where your year is at, the temptation we face is to just want to stay there. If it's good, we think, oh, I can't get any better than this. And the truth is, the best is still yet to come. I haven't, I haven't made it to heaven yet, so I know the best is still yet to come. So we can't live on the high of, things, of, of the things that we've had and have already happened. We have to press on for what's ahead. And if it's bad, we tend to think, oh, life is over. What's the point? Just never going to get any better. Bad things always happen to me. Things are never going to change. And my friend, if you live your life 
in that place, you will get what you are looking for. But I've come to tell you today that just because it's hard doesn't mean it's hopeless. We're going to pick back up with Jacob's story. And he was, he was in a hard place. Where we find him, he was literally stuck between a rock and a hard place. Which is what I thought about calling this message. But then I thought you'd feel obligated to give me that polite pity laugh or this awkward radio silence, and I just, I couldn't handle the pressure of either, so I moved on. Jacob was in a hard place, and honestly, a lot of his problems were the result of his own bad choices. I don't know if you're familiar with Jacob's story or not, but just to kind of catch you up, he was a younger twin of his brother Esau, and this is important to know because Esau would not only be getting a birthright, but also a blessing from their father Isaac. And this was a really big deal. But as the younger twin, Jacob didn't like that. So he spent all of his life scheming and plotting and trying to do things on his own strength to get what he wanted. He ended up getting Esau's birthright, but that wasn't enough for him. So he schemed again and took advantage of his father and stole his brother's blessing. Now, when Esau finds out about this, he is furious. He is so mad. He says, Jacob, I'm going to kill you. And it's not like brothers when they say, like, I have three boys, and often I'll hear, I'm going to kill you. Not like that. It was like really like, I'm going to kill you. Lucky for you, dad's not doing so good. So I'm going to wait till he's about room temperature, and then you're dead, Jacob. Jacob knew he had messed up. He manipulated his way into a blessing from his father. His brother's about to kill him. So his mom helps him to escape and run away. He leaves town. Now, if you ever thought that your family had drama, just read the Bible and you will feel so much better about your family situations. Jacob leaves Beersheba and he sets out for Haran, but he stops for the night because it's not safe to continue on his way. And where he has to stop is the middle of nowhere. It's the desert. There's no embassy suites. He doesn't have any Marriott rewards that he can use. There's only a rock. And the rock represented a hard place in his life. His lying, his cheating, his trying to do things on his own, all of that got him evicted from home. There may be some of us here today who have found ourselves like Jacob in a hard place. It might be a hard place physically. It might be a hard place relationally. Maybe it's a hard place financially or emotionally. Maybe it's a hard place as the result of someone else's actions. And when you are in a hard place, it can be lonely and isolating. You can feel like you are alone in the desert sleeping on a rock. And every one of us has faced some hard places. But hard doesn't always mean bad. Hard places can make you or break you depending on how you deal with them. Jacob's in this hard place emotionally and he falls asleep on a hard place physically. And while he's sleeping, something significant happens. God shows up. You see, the plan wasn't for Jacob to be in this place. The plan for safety and provision had been made at his uncle's house that was still hundreds of miles away. Jacob wasn't at his final destination when God appeared. It was along the way. 
I don't know, maybe God will sometimes arrange the conditions of our life so that we have to stop. Maybe we're too busy being on the run that we miss what God actually has for us. Jacob sees the revelation of God not in his attempt at controlling situations, but in his sleep. He probably lay down feeling worried, conflicted, but it was in his rest that he found God's presence. If you want some hope in the hard places that you're facing, you can start to look for God's presence. Because God's presence is always there. God loves us so much. He cares about us. He's chosen us and he will love us forever. We can't get away from God's love for us. I know that concept can be kind of hard to imagine in the life that we live today. You see, our world is littered with the remains of forever love gone bad. I'll love you. I'll be with you. And then something happens and they take off. And when we experience that, we often transfer that onto our relationship with God. You know, he'll love me until I screw up so bad and then he won't love me anymore. But that's not how God loves us. Psalms 139, verse 7 and 8 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. In other words, God is with you no matter what. He's with you in the good, but guess what? He's also with you in the bad. He's with you in your addiction. He's with you in that betrayal. Those failures, he's with you. Your fear and your uncertainty, he is with you. His word says that I will never leave you or forsake you. So even when it's my fault that I find myself in this hard place, I am never without his presence because his presence is always there. On your best day, your worst day, he's with you and he's for you. Jacob was having a bad day. Maybe the worst day of his life. And he lays down and he has a dream. And let's look again at what happens when he wakes up in verse 16. It says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob wakes up and says, God was here. And I didn't know it? Now i got a lot of questions when I get to heaven. And this is going to be one of them that I have for Jacob. Like, Jacob, how can you miss God? How can God be in the actual place and you didn't see him? Well, there are probably a lot of reasons for it. You know, maybe we miss God because we're not expecting him. We don't expect for God to just show up in our everyday and ordinary life. We just go about our business. Maybe we miss God's presence because we neglect our relationship with him. You know, we give God the 60 to 70 minutes on Sunday expecting that to get us through the week until we get back here next week. And we make no other space for, for him in our life. 
Or perhaps we're just too preoccupied with the circumstances that we're in. I know no one can fix it as good as you, so you should just keep trying, but obviously that's not working. We're too busy thinking about what's going on, about what's happening. We, we, we rethink it. We replay it. We tell everybody else about it. We can't sleep at night because this is going on in our minds. We're distracted and trying to do it on our own instead of just looking for God's presence. You know, whatever the pre- reasons may be, God's presence is always with us. And if we're not in tune with him, that's how we miss his presence. God didn't show up when Jacob woke up. Jacob woke up to the fact that God was there all along. And maybe it's time for you today to wake up to the fact that God is right there in your situation. In fact, why don't you just go ahead and nudge your neighbor and say, wake up. Come on, wake up. The presence of God is here. Jacob woke up to see what God had been doing all along. Before we can see things happening, God is already at work. Before you got here to church today, a lot had already happened. Before you checked your kids in, before you got coffee, before you found your seat, teams of people arrived here to prepare this space for you. And aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that you didn't have to tromp through snow this morning? I am. Thank you. Thank you that I didn't have to walk through snow, Pastor Jacob. God is always working ahead of us, on our behalf and for our good. The question isn't, is God there? Of course he is. The question we need to ask is, am I looking for his presence? And when we know his presence is with us, we can remember his promises. God always gives us a promise. We need to remember God's promises. Can you imagine what Jacob must have been thinking and feeling as he set out on this journey? Maybe he thought his brother was overreacting and being a little dramatic. I mean, really going to kill me for taking my blessing? That, That seems a little over the top, Esau. Or maybe he realized, ugh, this was a little too far this time. I think I, think I might have really screwed up. Because now, for my safety, I, I have to leave my family and my home and go to a new place. You know, he had a lot of time to think on this journey. And maybe he thought, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to go back home. Now, it's one thing to have these thoughts when you're busy. But it's a whole other thing to deal with these thoughts when you stop. And it's nighttime, and he needs to sleep. And maybe he's like, I'm already at rock bottom, so I'm just going to sleep on this rock. I mean, can't, can't get any worse for me. And as he sleeps, God is able to track him down. And God gives Jacob a promise. It was in verse 13. It says, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. 
I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. You see, no matter how much Jacob schemed and manipulated on his own, God says, you haven't messed up so much that I won't fulfill the promises I made through you. And when God makes up his mind about what he's going to do and who he's going to do it through, it can't be messed up. He doesn't change his mind when Jacob blows it. In fact, he does exactly the opposite. He tracks him down and he meets with him and he reminds him of the promise and the purpose on his life. You see, God's promises cannot be stopped by human mistake or activity. So the things you do right and the things you do wrong, he's still working in and through you. There's a very specific promise that God gives Jacob. God says, I told your grandfather he was going to be the father of many nations, and I'm going to fulfill it through you. And God has a promise for you too. And if you want to make it through your hard places, you're going to need to remember some promises from God to stand on. What kind of promises are you talking about, Marissa? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked because I just happen to have a bunch of them for you. Get out your pen, wave it at me, wave your pen or your phone that you're taking notes on. You're going to want to write these down because these are good and you're going to need them. And I'm going to go fast because I think that's fun. And Belinda's going to give me some music because we need to liven this joint up. Matthew 28:20 20 says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's a promise that says you can bank on the fact that he is with you. Whatever you do, wherever you step out, he is with you. A promise that was spoken over me at youth camp when I was a teenager, Philippians 1.6, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Jesus Christ. That's a promise that whatever he started in you, he's going to finish it. He doesn't leave projects undone. When you don't know if God is good or not, he's, here's a promise for you. Psalms 100 verse 5. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. It might be hard right now. What you are facing might not feel good. It might be the hardest thing that you've ever had to go to, but his faithfulness never ends. This is a busy time of year and you are feeling stretched in so many directions. I get it. You're burning the candle from both ends. But here's a promise to help you chill out. Isaiah 40 verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Feeling lonely? Psalms 23 4 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You are not alone. You need wisdom for a decision? Well, here's a promise. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. How about Psalms 34, 8, and 10? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Are you in a need financially or physically? Feeling stuck? Here's some promises to stand on. Philippians 4.19, And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. 
Romans 8, 31 and 32, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he also not, along with him, graciously give us all things? You see, the Bible is full of promises. These are just some of mine. You can take them. It's fine. I'll share. You need to know the promises for yourself. You need to have some scriptures that when you're in your darkest, loneliest, scariest, hardest moment, that you can pull yourself up with those promises. Every promise that God makes, he fulfills. He says yes and amen. God doesn't say, we'll see which we know is code for moms to pass it off, and it's never going to happen. You see, when God makes a promise, it's already done. So what that means for you and for me is that I can go into every situation, even the uncomfortable ones, even the hard ones, with confidence that God has my back. God used the place of Jacob's greatest discomfort to give Jacob the greatest revelation, a promise that changed Jacob's outlook on his situation. When you are in that hard place, look for God's presence, remember God's promises, and see God's perspective. When Jacob woke up in verse 17, it says, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Was Jacob in heaven? No. Had any of his circumstances changed? No. Was he still sleeping on a rock pillow? Yes. Was it still hard? Absolutely. Verse 18 goes on to say, Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Did you catch what happened? I know it's almost lunchtime, so I'll help you. He gets up. He takes the rock that he made a pillow and makes it a pillar. The rock became a pillow And the pillow became a pillar. And then he took some oil and he poured it on the rock. Now, oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, but also when something was special and being consecrated or set apart, like a king or a priest, they would pour oil on them. So this rock was something common that represented a hard place in Jacob's life that he said, I'm going to set this apart. Because he saw that God met him in the hard and his perspective changed. He said, I have to set this apart. This can't be common. So he took the pillow and he made it into a pillar and he poured oil on it. Nothing about his situation had changed in that moment other than his perspective. And he said, this is the house of God. He took the hard and made a monument of God's presence And he renamed it. So what does that practically look like for you and me? It means all those hard places in your life that have held you down or held you back or kept you hostage for far too long. 
we have the ability to look at those situations, put some oil on it, which means invite the Holy Spirit into it, and see it from a different perspective. You see, there's purpose in every place that we are in. And God will allow you to determine the purpose. In the hard places, you can simply just try to get through it. You can try to survive it, or you can be determined to be strengthened by it. Is this going to be the place where you become bitter and you lie down and die from your disappointments and your discouragement? Or is this going to be the place that you discover a deeper revelation of who God is and his power? Jacob could only get the strength he needed from this place. He still had hundreds of miles to travel before he reached his final destination. But it was in this place that the Lord met with him. It was in this place that he changed his perspective, that he made a marker that he could always come back to and remember, this is where God met me. We need some markers in our life that we can come back to and say, this is where God met me. So whether we're in a physically hard place, a mentally, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually hard place, places of suffering because of the choices of others, whatever that hard place is, I would suggest to you that it doesn't have to stay that way. That you might not be able to change what's happening or the circumstances that got you there, but you can change how you see it. You can start to see it from God's perspective. You can set that rock that you've been laying on and that's hard up as a pillar. And you can put the oil of the Holy Spirit all over the places that you are in right now. Jacob renamed that city Bethel, which means house of God. And you can rename your place of pain too. You can call it a blessing. You can call it an opportunity. You can rename it to the place where God brought you out of the lowest moments. The memory that brings pain can be the place of blessing and freedom in your life. You see, anytime Jacob went by there, he didn't think of the hard rock that he slept on or the mistakes that he made that led him to that place. Every time he passed that monument, he thought about how God met him there, how he found freedom there and how God's presence filled him there, and how it gave him the strength to go on to where he needed to be. Those words and those actions and those mistakes that defined your past no longer have to define you. Instead of seeing it for what it was, flip your perspective of it. Rename the disease. Rename the divorce. That disappointment that bankruptcy or this failure, whatever it is, flip your perspective of what it was and see it how God sees it and turn the hard place into a monument of his grace in your life. Maybe today you came here and you're, you're in the midst of a really hard season. Or maybe... You have just come out of a hard season and you still feel the bruises of what you've survived. 
Or maybe today you're feeling like everything's good, everything's calm. No matter where you're at, God knows what you're facing and he knows what you're going to be stepping into. The hard places of our life don't have to be the hopeless places in life. Great things can come out of hard seasons. And when you're in the midst of the pain and the stretching and the discomfort, remember you are not alone. His presence is always with you. His promises are for you. And his perspective is greater.